Good morning. Oh, hey. And happy new year. And there we go. It's it's getting there. It's getting there. We'll get it all dialed in. It's it's a new year. Everything's new. It is good. Uh, I don't know how excited you are, but uh, you have so much to be excited for. Um, you're alive. Amen. Yeah, yeah. God is, it, it's, it's that attitude of Paul, man. It's awesome to be here, and it'll be awesome to leave, won't it? You know, I mean, that is the reality of the world in which we live. There's so many things uh, to, to share with you um, to start off this morning. And so hopefully, on your way in, you got here early enough. If you didn't, on your way out, if you would, look to your right as you go out. Uh, there's a group that has put in a lot of time and energy and effort getting that new missions wall all put together. And uh, they're so very excited. They did an awesome, awesome job with it. Um, and we're excited to promote our missions in that way. Now, I had promised you a while back that I would not relent until all of these missions were covered. And so I believe there's still five missions that we don't have adopted yet. It is the new year, and so I'm going to be sending out information this week to uh, those people that have signed up, if you will, to adopt those various missionaries, um, be our liaison with them, communicate with them once a month um, throughout this new year. And so I'm going to remind you of which ones are still left. Uh, we have one international one, I believe, left, and that's the, the camp in Poland, the Christian camp in Poland. And so uh, we will get you that, comfort, that uh, information. Oh, and finally this week, um, if you're watching online, welcome. We're excited to have you here. Finally this week, you can now connect with us via our website. Uh, that link finally actually works. At least it did when I tested it. And so uh, you can actually fill out the form online to connect or on the missions page um, and sign up for one of these missions. So that should be working. So if you're online, test this out. Connect with us right now. Hit that connect button and see if it actually works. But it did earlier this week when I, I checked. Um, here more locally, we've got Harvest Prayer Ministry that still needs a, a sponsor. Camp Ileana. Nobody signed up to be our liaison for Camp Ileana yet. So somebody do that. Helping his hands down in Vincennes and then... Um, Youth for Christ, uh, our own Sarah Lawrence, uh, are one of our own very relatives of, of our folks here, um, then please, somebody sign up just to pray for them, to ask them if there's anything they can need um, throughout the months that, that the kids are in school and things. And then the last one is the, the uh, E2, the Effective Elders Ministry that works with churches all over the, the nation right now um, and training their elders, raising up leaders within the churches and, and helping churches through, through difficult times. And so those are the five that are left. Um, if you would be interested in one of those, fill out one of those connect cards, put that on there. Uh, email me, Chris, K-R-I-S at bccbrazil.org or fill out that form online. We want to get those guys covered um, as this new year starts, all right? Um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much, I think that's pretty much uh, good. I don't think any of those is, nope, because that's at the end. So I think, I think that's, I think we're good. I think we're ready. It's a new year. Happy New Year to you. Relax. Take it in. Because, uh, as you know, things are going to change, aren't they? To what? I don't know, but they're going to change. It's just one of those constants that we have in life that, that things are always changing. And I want to let you know kind of the heart behind where we're going right now as, as a church. Uh, if you didn't know, um, we as a staff were able to go away, and we're going to do this every fall, on retreat together uh, with our spouses and just talk about life, about the church, have some fun, laugh, eat lots of food, um, and, and hang out. And it was a great time. This year... When we started that, while McKenna and Jason, Dave, Melissa, and, and Kristen and myself were away, one of the things that we discussed was what, how, where are we going to start this new year as a family? As a bride of Christ, where should we begin 2021 together? 
And we came up with an answer. We, we believe absolutely we want this year to be full of healing. It is so great to see people finally, God allowing people, uh, giving people peace to start coming back and worshiping together. And we know people are going to continue to join online, and that is awesome. It's a great way. We're praying for that healing, for that comfort, for that peace, for everyone to experience that in this new year. We're praying for joy for people because so many had that taken from them last year. Although, honestly, your joy can only be given away. And so we want you to possess that as something that is God-given. We want you to grab on and not let go of that in this new year. Our desire is for people to grow closer to God first and foremost in this new year. Whatever we can do to challenge people, to move people in that direction, to go closer to God, to Christ. And, yes, we desire for people to grow closer to one another this year as well. We, we've got a, a new chairman of our fellowship committee, and we are ready to plan that first event as soon as uh, the authorities allow us to officially plan that first eating gathering, where we're probably just going to do it right after church on a Sunday morning, where we just go and eat a whole bunch of food together. Old school pitch in something. Where it's good to, Yes, exactly. All right? We're just waiting for the moment for that to happen, because we got to do it. we got to get closer together. We just have to be a part of that, and we understand why we can't. But we're longing for the moment when we can once again. All right. So where do we start this journey in this new year together? Here's where we felt that God was leading us. We believe, we know actually from God's word, it tells us that we are supposed to devote our whole lives to worshiping him. And so we as a church, we want to take this new year and as a church devote our lives to him in worship, to be intentional in our devoting our whole lives to him. Because I, we believe that if we as a church can emphasize this, can put this as a priority, as a body of Christ, and we teach and we preach and we sing and we, we work on that throughout this year, then our hope and our prayer is that you individually will each make this a goal for your life, not just for this year, but forevermore. That is where we're headed. Over the next few weeks, we're going to look at why. Why do we worship? What is this about? How should we worship? Where should we worship? When should we worship? Exactly what is worship? Exactly who is it that we are worshiping? And then we're going to close this series out on the fifth Sunday of this month with a Sunday morning fully dedicated to uniting together as the body of Christ in one form of worship here on a Sunday morning. And so maybe by the end of January, there'll be even a few more people able to join us back here in person as the bride of Christ gathers to worship her king, her savior, her creator. A challenge to love each other, to live life in such a way that brings others into a relationship with the Jesus that we are spending our lives worshiping. Now, just like our series last fall, as we studied through God's word and how to study God's word, this is not a lesson to be learned. If that's all you get, then it didn't work at all. This is a lifestyle this is a life to be lived. If one simply comes and listens and does nothing more, then the meaning will be completely lost. So the challenge is for us as believers, we are commanded to worship Christ. We know that. It, the scriptures clearly teach that. But because of what Jesus did for you and what Jesus did for me, it should be the strongest desire of our heart to worship him. Let's pray. Father God, as we dive into your word this morning, as we talk about what it means to worship you, I pray that if we came here with anything else on our plate this morning, any other agenda, any other reason for being here, that I pray as we leave that we realize that our only purpose in being here this morning was to worship you. And we're each going to do it differently. And we're each going to have our own special moments 
with you. But Father, may we all realize that this is truly why we were created. Be with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we're beginning to, to put a few thoughts down on paper, God prompted a question in my mind. This question was very simple. What is worship? What is worship? How would you answer that question in your mind? What's the first thing that pops into your brain when you think about worshiping God? Now, for most people, the first thing to jump in there is this thing called music, right? We often throw the words praise and worship together in the same sentence, and rightfully so, because music is mentioned throughout God's word as a way, as a way to worship God. But is music all there is? What if you can't sing? Let's just be real, right? What if you can't carry a tune in a bucket, as the old expression goes? That's right. What do we do? Well, for those of us that, that have a few passages memorized, you might remember this one because this is our saving grace, Psalm 100, verse 1. But you've got to go to the King James for this one. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. That is right. Amen, brothers and sisters. That's all we've got to do. We can all praise God using music because of that passage, right? I don't know if that's really what that passage means. Let's just be honest. But the reality is anyone can worship using music, sure. But is that all? Is that the only way to worship God? And the answer is absolutely not, because worship is so much more. Music is a means to worship our Creator, but it's one of many. So God led me to answer this question this way for us in this series. What is worship? Well, this is the way he states it. Worship is not an experience. This is important. Worship is not an experience. Worship is the realization that I am in the presence of God. That is what worship is. Now, the dictionary defines worship this way. The acts or rites that make up a formal expression of reverence for, it used to just say deity, but now there's been other things kind of added to the definition, including people or a principle. True worship has to be voluntary. It has to be a response from an individual. If it's forced, then it's not worship in any way. It's either a form of brainwashing or manipulation or subjection. Something else is going on. Involuntary worship is not ever what God desires from us. But he did create us to worship. Everyone is made, to is made or created to worship, and everyone will worship something. You might have noticed that becoming an even greater reality in modern times. Now, people have always worshipped other things. People have always worshipped their jobs, their families, and things like that. That's nothing new. But people today are now fully devoted. They are worshipping ideals and causes. They passionately, you see it on the news, you see it all the time. They passionately live out these devotions as if they are living for a God that they are worshiping. They're making these causes or these people their religion. What about Christian worship? What does it mean to worship God? Well, when you worship, the word worship goes all the way back. It brings all kinds of images to people's minds. The actual definition of the word worship comes from an old English word, worthship. With that definition in mind, we, we don't worship God for what we get out of him. We don't worship God to get blessings, no, but to give honor to God. That is due to him. We recognize his worth, his value, his place in our church, his claim on our very own lives. Therefore, worship is not what so many people have turned it into. It is not a weekly pep talk to get the troops rallied to go and win the game. 
That is not what worship is supposed to be about. Worship is not a motivational lecture, a seminar to make us feel good about ourselves. Worship is not supposed to be the Christian alternative to a, a Saturday night rock concert or a trip to the symphony. No, worship occurs when people encounter God, a God who loves them so much and desires to have a relationship with them. A man named Robert Weber in a book called Worship Old and New says this about worship. A me it's a meeting between God and his people. Worship does not lead to an encounter with God. This is an important idea. Worship does not lead to an encounter with God. It is an encounter with God. And there's a big difference. When we worship God, when we gather together, whether on our own or we gather together with the body of Christ, we have to come to that moment with an agenda, with a plan, with an idea, what we're supposed to accomplish. Here's what it is. We come to worship to meet with God. That is why we're here. But it's just as important to remember that God has an agenda here this morning as well. Did you know that? God has a purpose for you being here this morning. It's very simple. God wants to meet with you and me. And that is why we gather to worship. Remember what I said earlier. Worship is not an experience. It is a realization that I, I am in the presence of the almighty God. Worship was and is God's gift to man and man only. Now you might say, no, -uh, angels worship God. Yes, they do. But they worship God for a very different reason. They worship God because they behold him. They are in his presence. They know who he is. They worship him for who and what he is. They do not, cannot praise him for what he has done. That is for us to do. We must praise him for what he has done for us, for his grace, for his mercy, for salvation, for the lengths he went to to offer that salvation to us and even for his presence in our lives each and every day. Now, we do worship him for who he is as well. We join the angels in that form of worship. So we're going to focus on one very simple passage today, one that many of you have probably heard many times before. It's simple to read, quite simple to understand, but are you willing to fully embrace this passage and then live it out in your life? It comes from the book of Romans, Paul's writing, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It simply says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, and sisters, in view of God's mercy, our response to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, worship, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, then when you do this, when you worship God in this way, you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. This is worship. To offer yourself as a living sacrifice. Now you must understand the implication of being a living sacrifice. It means this. It means you choose to take your life and crawl up and lay yourself upon the altar to our God. That's your choice. And along with that choice means that at any moment in time, you can crawl your rear end off of that altar and say, God, I no longer offer my life to you anymore. It's your choice. We have a freedom that exists. We have to fight to keep our bodies, our minds, our lives from becoming like the rest of the world. Do not conform. And when we do that, that is worship. To allow our God to renew our minds through his spirit, that is 
is worship. And when we do that, then he promises. He promises that he will reveal his will to each and every one of us when we offer our whole life to him in worship. Worship encompasses all of our life. That's a difficult thing for the modern-day American Christian. It incorporates all of our life. We talked about that with the dresser illustration not that long ago. A, a man by the name of William Temple. He was the Archbishop of Canterbury. What a title, right? Like, who would, like that's just a fun name. I'm the Archbishop of Canterbury. It just sounds, it sounds great. You've got to say it with an accent, I'm sure, too. Okay? But in the 1940s, in the 1940s, he, he famously said this, to worship is to quicken the conscious by the holiness of God to feed the mind with the truth of God, to purge the imagination by the beauty of God, to open the heart to the love of God, and to devote the will to the purpose of God. Now that is beautiful English language, and people just don't speak like that anymore. There's a famous worship leader also from England. His name's Graham Kendrick. He's written hundreds and hundreds of worship songs over the last 30 years. As a matter of fact, you have sung some of them here at Berea over the years. This is the way he describes worship as a longtime worship pastor. Everybody worships, whether it's a hero, possession, success, pleasure, a political cause, a carved idol, or oneself. The way we live and behave makes evident the things that we love and give ourselves to. It is our very, in our very nature to worship. That inner drive is God-given. The disaster is that as part of a fallen race, we have replaced the object of our worship. So, to be converted to faith in Jesus Christ is to return to the worship of the one true God and to dethrone all of his rivals to his authority. The very heart of worship is the giving, not only of our talents, of our goods, but of our very own selves. We offer ourself in worship. Don't ever say you don't have anything to offer God. You have more than you could ever know. We are to offer our very own bodies. That includes all of us, our mind, our heart, our skills, our abilities, our thoughts, our actions, even the words we speak. Those are all part of our worship. If we are in Christ, then we find ourselves in his presence at all times and in all places. When we realize we are in the presence of God, then our response is to worship. Every word, every word in Scripture in the Greek, every word in the Hebrew text that is used for the word worship or praise is a verb. And in every instance, it describes an action on the part of the worshiper. Worship is not an experience. It is something you and I do. It is not something we feel. It is how we respond when we realize we are in the presence of God. Now, the truth is that you and I can deny that God is the one to worship. Absolutely, we can. He's given us that freedom. We can worship whoever or whatever we want. Absolutely correct. However, nothing that we will worship in this lifetime will ever bring us the fulfillment that's offered when we worship our Creator. And that is what we must convince other people of. Worship is about encountering the presence of God. And if that's the case, then someone might ask the question, now wait a minute, I thought God's presence was always with us. 
It is, of course, absolutely. God, very clear, scripture tells. David writes, Psalm 139, 8, if I go up to the heaven, you are there. If I go down to my lay my bed in Sheol, you are there. Wherever I go, God, you are there. That is the reality of God's omnipresence, God's presence everywhere, universal presence. It's an incredible fact of life that so many people deny. You cannot escape the presence of God. We can be blind to it, but never for a moment think that God's presence is not with us. But there's more than just God's omnipresence that exists. God promises to manifest or to demonstrate his presence in a special way when we worship. Uh, this, this, this man, this, this son of God named Jesus, he said it this way in Matthew 18, 20, for where two or more are gathered together in my name, then I am there among them. Now, does that contradict what Jesus says at the end of Matthew 28, 20? And, I re and remember, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, wait a minute. Would Jesus promise to be present conditionally and promise to always be present at the same? Those seem to contradict one another, don't they? Not really, because there's two different forms of presence. There's only one logical explanation. Jesus is speaking about a different kind of presence in that first passage, something more than just God being everywhere at all times, and that is this. The reality is there's this thing called God's revealed presence. God's always here, whether you know it or not, but there are times where God will specifically reveal himself to you, and in corporate worship, God desires to remove our blindfolds, to give us extraordinary, a breathtaking glimpse of his divine radiance. Too beautiful for me to be the one to say that. The pastor's name was Rick Edsel. It's a beautiful way to describe it. Luke writes in chapter 5, verse 17, he records this example of both forms of God's presence, God's omnipresence and his revealed presence. Jesus was physically there with the people. It drew this big crowd. People came to hear him teach. But in verse 17, Luke records it this way. And the Lord's power to heal was in him. The NIV translates it. And the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. Luke records something here. He records that there's a difference between Jesus just standing there and being in the room and the power of God to heal those that were there with him. Jesus was physically present, but Luke noticed that there was something greater. Jesus' manifested presence was there, and his revealed presence was there as well. God's revealed presence is what actually healed the paralytic that they brought to Jesus that day. And as a result, what happened? Well, everybody gave glory to God. They were filled with awe and wonder. We have seen incredible things today. Not Jesus standing there, no. His physical presence wasn't the incredible part. It was his revealed presence through the healing power of God. That is the presence that we long for when we worship. When we get that extra glimpse of God, we crave that as humans. We want it. We need it. We, we do sense it. We do experience it. We do taste it and maybe even get to touch it at times. And when we do, just like the paralytic, our lives are forever to be changed. So if you've come to church forever your whole lives and you've never experienced that, that's what this series is all about, because it's not about what you experience. It's about the realization that you're in the presence of God. Did you know that you should actually ask God for him to do this to you every time we gather? 
every week, I'm going to ask you, not just the next four weeks, but throughout this year, and hopefully every time you go to worship the rest of your lives, I pray that you will ask for two simple things before you come. Whether you physically come in these doors or before you click on the link to start that live stream to view the service, maybe when you wake up first thing on Sunday morning, will you do me a favor? Actually, it's not even true. Will you do you a favor? And will you ask God for a hunger, for a desire for him at that moment? When you arrive to worship, whether in person or, or online, what is it that you bring with you? You might say, well, really nothing. I bring myself, maybe my kids, maybe my spouse, maybe not. Maybe I left them at home. Okay, but I, I, I brought something with me. No, 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 that's not. Can you bring a hunger for your Lord and your Savior? Does that cost you anything? To come with that desire within you? Think of it this way. Think of it as being your stomach. Is your stomach growling in anticipation of an encounter with the Lord? Just like when we open the word of God. We need to prepare ourselves. We have to be ready and willing to receive whatever it is that God has in store for us when we open his word. When we gather for worship, we must prepare ourselves to be in his presence. We got to open the door and we got to let him in. Too often people will say things, and maybe you've said this. You know what? You know, the worship just didn't speak to me today. Or you know what? The word of God just didn't really connect with me today. Well, I hate to tell you this, but that is not what worship is about. Worship is not an experience. Worship is a realization that I am in the presence of the Almighty God. The only question is whether or not you are willing to experience or are willing to acknowledge that reality, acknowledge his presence in your life. If you are, then are you willing to accept whatever it is that God might have you have in store for you today? You got to come to worship hungry. But the other reality of this is that this hunger can't just exist on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. I mean, that's awesome if you're hungry at that moment. But if you did not eat again until Friday afternoon, what kind of person would you be? Let's just be honest. If you did not eat food again until Friday afternoon, what kind of person would anyone on earth want to be around you? The answer is no. Okay, you would be miserable, grumpy, who knows, maybe hospitalized for crying out loud, depending on different health issues and things like that. You got to be hungry all the time. You've got to be hungry for more of God. We've got to hunger and thirst for righteousness in our lives. We've got to seek to worship him together as the body of Christ. But we just as importantly need to seek to worship him in the most personal moment of each and every day through each and every breath that we are given by our creator. Do you realize, do you daily beg, do you daily beg to experience this hunger for God? Do you long for him, Do you believe that nothing else in this world could compare to being in the presence of God? Do you have that passion for his presence? If you do, if you do, then you are beginning to understand in your life what true worship is. Because the reality is you can experience God's grace without ever experiencing his presence. You can have a knowledge and understanding that Jesus Christ died for you and forgives you of your sins, but not ever have an intimate relationship with him. You can know the facts, you can know the figures, the dates, the times, and still really not know the one who loved you first. What a shame that someone would live their life knowing about, but never knowing God Sadly, people in church do this all of the time. 
Our churches are full of people who know who God is, but never have experienced his presence in their life. So do you truly hunger for the presence of God? That's question number one. The number one thing to pray God for each and every time you worship. The second thing is this. Each week before you arrive on a Sunday, before you click that link to start the live stream, ask God this question. God, God, will you please, God, will you please, please, please help me see your glory. Will you reveal yourself to me? These are not my words. These are the words of a man named Moses from the scripture. I would make a case that Moses might have been the closest human being, aside from Jesus Christ, who of course was God, the closest human being ever with God. Some would make a case for David. I understand that completely. But Moses and God had this crazy relationship where they even kind of got back and forth a little bit, and Moses would kind of get upset and angry, and they'd kind of have debate, and God always won, of course. But they had this interesting relationship. And in Moses, in Exodus 33, 18, he asks for this very thing, to see God's glory, his renown, his splendor, his, his majesty. Moses longed to see God face to face. When was the last time you came to worship seeking to encounter God face to face. The reality is a lot of people come to church hoping to avoid such an encounter. How would you approach Sunday morning differently if this was your pursuit? I love that word. I often say this, small words, powerful meaning because we don't use them very often anymore. If we are pursuing something, it is intentional. It is on purpose. It is, there's some specific goal that we have in mind when we're pursuing something. Take a hunter, for example. Many of you have been and or are hunters or watching online or you're married to a hunter or you have relatives that are hunter. Think of it this way. If you're going out early in the morning to go duck hunting or, or deer hunting, do you do it this way? Do you just roll out of bed, throw on whatever old clothes, hop in the truck, go and park in the middle of somewhere, wherever, it doesn't really matter, and hope that maybe a duck flies over? Or maybe a deer happens to walk in front of your nice SUV. Probably not. My guess is there was a little more prep work, sometimes hours and hours preparing, putting up equipment, putting up blinds, stands, purchasing all kinds of special clothing that makes you look really cool. Interesting fragrances, that's all I'll say that you wear to make sure that you have the best possible chance to be successful on that hunt, right? What if we chose to go to those links to prepare ourselves to meet with God? Each and every time we gather, instead of blaming others for not leading us into the presence of God, it's up to us to seek his to prepare for the encounter, to expect God to do exactly what he promises to do, where two or more are gathered. I am there with you. Do we desire to encounter God? Because when we do, it transforms worship from a duty to devotion. It transforms the ritual of just showing up on a Sunday morning or opening God's word on a morning, morning basis it transforms that ritual into a relationship. From just another meeting to an actual holy gathering. Remember where we started today, Romans 12, 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, 
to offer your bodies, your lives as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is our true and proper worship. Do not conform. Do not be like everyone else in this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Worship reminds us of our need for God. Worship authenticates. It confirms our faith in him. Worship confronts. It fights with our human desire to conform to this world. And worship transforms our view of the realities in which we live. It is an incredible thing, but there's stuff we have to do to prepare to come and worship. As we go through this series, there's going to be different challenges. Last week, I, I gave you this card sitting on the, pa- the, the chairs here. So if you weren't here last week or you weren't able to do it, this card is simply there again for you to write down two or three names of people that you know don't really know Jesus. And you want to spend time praying for these people and praying for opportunities to just share a little Jesus with them, a little love with them, a little lunch with them, a little conversation with them to begin that relationship but there's a new challenge that goes along with this form of worship that are in those seat backs behind you. And they're on every other chair, and they're clipped into pins. There's three of these cards that are clipped under those pins. Your challenge is this, is to take those three cards with you. Everybody in the room, take these with you. Do not leave them. Take three cards, put them in your pocket, and just sit them there next to your nightstand, whether your wallet, your keys, all that stuff sits. And in the morning, when you put stuff in your pockets, put those in your pockets. And as God prompts you at the gas station, As God prompts you at Kroger, at Walmart, at work, at wherever you are, walking down the road, anytime, just hand that card to somebody and say, hey, life's tough, man. Here's a a website that has some cool videos just talking about some life issues. And oh, by the way, on the other side, that's our church. That's when we meet, 10 a.m. Sunday morning. Love to see you some Sunday. There's your conversation. Simple as that. Just give them one of those cards. Those cards will be here every week for you to pick up and take with you. Give away three a week. Three weeks, all you're trying to do, trying to reach people just a little bit at a time. This is a form of worship. God, you mean so much to me that I can't wait to share you with someone else. Take those with you. Use this as an opportunity. Next week, will you join me in praying for those two things before we gather to worship and see how God changes your perspective going into this new year? Father God, what? blessing it is. It is a gift to mankind to be able to worship you. And here we are, gathered this morning to do just that. Father, this worship doesn't end in these next three songs. This worship doesn't end with communion here in a few moments. This worship is just beginning. This worship is who we are to be. It is what we are to do every moment of every day of our lives. Not to walk around crying out to you every second of every day, but Father, in all that we do, we can worship you. When we go to work, we can work hard as if working for you, and that is worship. When we have conversations with people, we can be positive, we can be encouraging, we can love others, and that is a form of worship to you. We will experience your presence. We will understand the reality that we are in your presence at all times if we approach life that way. And if we, as the body of Christ, begin to do that, people will be drawn to your name. Souls will be reached and saved. Father, and if it's your will, this church will grow. But, Father, our goal is not to grow this building. Our, grow is to, our goal is to grow your kingdom, to seek and save the lost. Father, we love you, and I can't thank you enough.
for the opportunity to worship you. In Jesus' name we pray.